Hello there, everyone. Welcome to the Other Side of I Do podcast. I am your host, Jan Bugai. You're listening to the podcast dedicated to providing a space for husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, to come and hear others share their stories and some of their journey after saying I do. It's a space to share that whatever season you're in, you're not alone, and to gain some insight, encouragement, and resources to work towards being a better version of yourself for yourself and your families. If you are here for the first time, thank you for joining. And if you're returning, welcome back. If this is your first time listening, let me share that this episode is sponsored by my five marriage prayers. You can easily access these prayers via the link in my bio on Instagram at the other side of I do. It's just an easy way to get started with prayer if you're not sure where to begin. Now, today I welcome Joan Green, the founder of Together We Love and the host of the Navigating Two Worlds podcast. Joan has been a wife to Kevin for 28 and a half years, and they are the parents of two young adult children. She joins the podcast today to share some of her experience as a non-black woman married to a black man, the love lessons she has learned over the years, and a greater purpose beyond what she could ever have imagined. Let's join the conversation. Hi, Joan. Hi, Jan. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to the Other Side of I Do podcast. I am so excited to have you here with us today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Now, Joan, I may have shocked my audience with the title of today's episode, which is Saying I Do to a Black Man and the Love Lessons I've Learned. (laughs) (laughs) They may not know what to expect from this conversation, but you and I have talked previously about the subject of race and interracial marriages. And I know you truly have a heart to share what you have learned on the other side of I do as an interracial couple. So I'm so glad you're here. That's great. I'm, I'm excited to share as well. And hopefully I can, you know, shed a little bit of light on the complexities and the, the strength and unity of an interracial marriage and relationship. Right, right. Well, um, let's start from the beginning. Sure. How did you and your husband meet? So a um, long time ago, Kevin and I were working together and I'm going to date myself because we worked at Montgomery Ward, which is no longer in existence. And he ran the automotive center and I was the operations manager for the store. And so we met at work, um, we connected instantly and we spent every minute together that we could, you know, at work without compromising our our roles in our in our working environment, but it was pretty easy to see, and I think people called it out very quickly that we had become very close, very very sh- in a very short period of time, um, inside work and outside of work, of course. Right. So was thirty one, and I was twenty five. There's a six year age difference between us, and um, I was only at at the with the company probably three or four months before we really started to get to know each other. Oh, wow. Well, to be clear, I've already said you're married to a black man. What is your race? Oh, I'm white. Okay. Whiter than white. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, Joan, prior to um, this relationship with your husband, had you ever been in a relationship with a Black man or had close relationships with Black or female, um, Black men or Black women, excuse me? No, you know what, I, I really hadn't. And it's, it's, you know, a lot of my journey has been reflecting and you and I have talked about it. Um, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood in, in Maryland, south of Baltimore, and we had one family that we were close to um, that were African-American. And but even in then, it was my it was my brother because the son was his age and their daughter was a little younger than me. So I didn't really get to know them that well. But they that would be my exposure to, you know, a black family. And um, even in my church, not a lot of black families, you know, came to church with us and things like that. So and then in my high school, um, I, again, I would say it was predominantly a white high school. And even as I went to college, while my college was much more international and there was more of a diverse population, I at that point in time did not seek relationships with African-American people. It just wasn't, you know, wasn't in my DNA to seek that out. Mm -hmm. um, which in hindsight, I wished I had, but so to answer your question, no, not really at all. Okay. So when you and your husband, you know, met at the, at your workplace, you had no reservations about developing a relationship with him. You know what? I, I really did not. And that one of the things that we talk about, or I talk about now a lot is colorblindness, you know, and I would have been the first one to say, I didn't see color. He was just a man. And, and he still is just, he still is a man. Um, but I, I never, ever looked at him as a black man. I always looked at him as a strong, kind, caring, compassionate man of faith. Um, and that's what led me to fall in love with him and, and get married to him. How did your family um, react to this? So that didn't go so well. <laughs> um, we you know we've we've been married a long time. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But we um, we dated very short period of time, and I remember a time when I was with my parents. They were thinking of retiring to Florida, so I went down to see some property with them or whatever. And it was just me and my mom and dad, and we were driving. And I shared that I was dating a guy named Kevin. And they were like, oh, tell us about him. And I said, you know, he's from a big family. His parents are very grounded in faith. Um, he's African-American. He's six foot four. Like I slid it in there as if, right? And um, my dad stopped the car and he said, tell me that you're not going to go any further with this. And I said, well, no, we're just friends. We just, you know, have gone out a few times. He's a really great guy. And my dad said, it, it's not going to work. It's going to cause trouble. It's not the right thing to do. Tell me you're not going to go any further with this. And I was like, oh, dad, don't worry. So all that to say, when we actually did continue dating and we got engaged, um, my parents' concern, especially my father, was that I lied to him. And so while color was an obstacle, he was more um, upset with me that I literally lied to him and told him it wouldn't go any further. At least he felt that. So they disowned me. Um, they kicked me out of the family, so to speak. And it was a good, you know, year, maybe, maybe 14 or 15 months before they came around. And that was with a lot of effort and a lot of tears and a lot of, you know, work on our hearts. Um, but anyhow, so they weren't, they weren't really thrilled, but they never got to know him to make that determination. Mm -hmm. So then I think 
in the end, um, we decided we would get married. And my dad really had to weigh the balance. And I say my dad because my mom was very supportive of her husband no matter what. Like that was the way they were brought up is, you know, mm -hmm. your husband. And I love that about her and I love that about their relationship. But on the other hand, I knew that she was struggling because she wasn't nearly as concerned as he was. Um, in the end, though, they had to decide, did they want to lose a daughter and lose potential grandchildren and that part of their life? Or would they figure out how to open their arms and welcome Kevin into the family, which is what they did. Mm -hmm. And I'm pleased to say that. I, I love that they came around and, um, and that was really important. On the other side, Kevin's family was always open. Um, they opened their arms to me. They embraced me. Um, his mom was she she does she didn't see color either I guess but she understood the complexities that we would face and in order to get the families to kind of heal my parents invited Kevin and his mom over and we did the Sydney Portier guess who's coming to dinner dinner exactly the way the movie lays out almost it was crazy um she walked in and she was just gracious and kind and you could see the love spilling out from her and then my parents are good and they also were terrific hosts. They were warm and welcoming. There was no animosity in the house, mm -hmm. but it gave them a chance to talk with Kevin and his mom and realize that these are good people, regardless of skin tone, these are good people. And I think that moment in time is when we sort of flipped and said, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this and we're going to have my dad's blessing, which was super important to me, but I would have done it without, you know? Wow. Yes, I understand that because, I mean, you know my story. Mm -hmm. um, I'm married to, <clears throat> I'm Black and I'm married to a white man. So, and, you know, I've gone through how my uh, grandfather said, you know, if you right. need to stay with him, you've got to get out of here. I was, I was living with my uh, grandparents at the time. And my grandfather said, if this is the person you want, that's fine. You just can't live here. So right. I understand um, what it's like to be, um, disowned, but uh, again, my grandfather did come around and, uh, Patrick was able to <laughs> go back to the house and, and, you know, anyway, well, yeah. Um, so having had that experience with your parents, um, was there a point when y'all actually had a conversation about how they felt? And was there a conversation of, you know, I forgive you for feeling this way. Was there ever that type of conversation? You know, it's, as a, and I love that you're asking that question. And um, I've been talking a lot with women in interracial marriages about that same thing. And to be honest, um, there never was a deep conversation with my parents together with Kevin or by myself. You know, um, I never really understood the why behind their opposition. Um, I knew it was, he's black. I get that, but I, I never really understood it, but I also never really asked. And I think it's something that I wish I had done. Um, my dad has passed. And so I don't have that opportunity to ask that question. And I do think later in his life, um, we would have been able to have that conversation. So forgiveness. Yes. I, I forgive all, all the time. I, I think one of the one of the authors that I love the most is Bob Goff. And he talks, his book is called Everybody Always, one of his books. And it talks about unconditional love and how you have to find the good in everybody. And you also, 
you have to forgive. The Bible tells us to forgive. God asks us to forgive. And so even if they didn't ask me for forgiveness, I forgave them so that I could move forward. Um, you know, I think there are times where we've touched on it and my mom's been like, oh, I don't know why we did that. And, you know, we've had some very light conversations about it, but Jan, we've never dug in deeply. And I think that's something I, looking back, wish that I had done better, not only for myself, but to help Kev Kevin navigate through it a little bit better. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? How did Kevin feel when all of this was going on? You know, it's funny. I, um, I think he was, well, the way it, the way it played out was he was more concerned about me mm -hmm. with my family. Right. Everything that we talked about was about how I felt, how I felt. Yes. I knew he was upset and I knew it hurt him, but it really was about me. Um, and I, I have to liken that a little bit to a piece of white privilege in that I thought that's what should happen. Right. I felt very much like poor me, my family's walking away. Your family's still here. I'm fine, but I love you and we're going to do this. And so again, in retrospect, um, I really never stopped to find out how he was feeling about it because he seemed okay. And I think, um, you know, in a marriage, I think that's super important is really slowing down to find out how the other, your partner or your spouse is feeling. But at that moment in time, um, I didn't really know how deep it hurt him. And even over the years of our marriage until recently, we haven't really talked about it in a large context. So another piece of reflection on my part, right? Well, you know, we, we do live and we do, do learn. We do, we do. Now, Joan, I know that you have learned probably more than you could ever imagine, you know, yep. having been married to a black man for, um, how long have y'all been married? We have been married 28 and a half years. <laughs> half years. Well, going into um, your marriage, um, in what ways did you imagine race was going to affect your, your marriage, your children, your spouse? So I did not imagine it to affect us at all, other than people said it's going to be difficult. Um, I kind of lead, <laughs> I lead with love and I, people laugh at me because they're like, you've got to take those rose colored glasses off because <laughs> I always see the positive. I, and, and sometimes to a fault. So I'm not, you know, I'm not patting myself on the back. What I'm trying to say is that I, I didn't look for that. Um, one of the things that my brother said to me was that our kids will be zebras. Um, now that was hurtful. We didn't have kids then though. So I didn't really understand how deeply that could be hurtful. I just was like, oh, he just disagrees and whatever. Um, so going into the marriage, again, other than people telling me it's going to be difficult, I had no I had no reservations because he's a man, I'm a woman, we're in love, we'll figure it out. And we have faith. We both were brought up in very faith-filled households. So I knew in my heart that we could do this. Um, mm -hmm. And again, it wasn't until later on that I realized how deep-seated the, the race piece could be and probably was at that point in time. I just didn't uncover it. Right. Well, I know you can only really speak for yourself. I, I don't know. I wish your husband was here because um, <laughs> I want to know what, what he was feeling. Do you know how he felt like, you know, I don't know if this was his first interracial relationship or not. Was it? Yeah. So it was his first. Um, he, I think he had maybe dated a white girl in, in high school or um, a very light skinned black girl, which mm -hmm. that tends to colorism. And that can also be viewed as interracial sort of, um, but 
his sister had married a white guy um, who she's no longer married, but she had married a white man before he and I met. So she did pave the way for that a little bit, but okay. So I think he was, but he's always been more accepting. He's always been open to whoever came into his life. And um, I, I know he was, he was hurt more than he shared with me at that time. Um, and still to this day, he talks, you know, we do talk about every once in a while, it'll come up that, you know, well, when your parents weren't so happy that we were together, whatever. So it's definitely still deep seated in his heart, but he's also a forgiving man. And, and, you know, he's had a great life with my family, which is good. Right. Right. Oh, the only reason I was asking that about how your husband uh, felt um, when it came to having children, did he yeah. worry or did you worry about what it was going to be like? I know your um, brother made that um, derogatory okay. comment. Yeah. I don't know if your husband heard that comment, but. Oh, yeah. No, he did. <laughs> um, oh, he did? Well, he did. Yeah. He, I, I mean, I told him he didn't hear him say it, but oh, okay. um, what, what we did do is we moved to a a part of Maryland that is very diverse and it actually was created as a community for um, multiracial families. And so we did intentionally move to Howard County, Maryland in order to um, bring our children up in a safe space. And that has been great. It really has. Um, the, you know, the kid that then the next time you and I talk, we'll talk a lot more about the kids or whatever, but I, I think we made that decision consciously together because we knew that we would be accepted and life would be a little quote unquote easier for us and for our children. Wow. I'm sorry. Did you say that community was developed for diverse? Yes. yes okay. It was, um, it's called Columbia. It's in Columbia, Maryland. And we live right outside of it at the next town over, but Columbia was developed by James Rouse and he specifically made a small community, which has now grown, you know, this was back in the seventies um, for multiracial families, not just black and white, but any multicultural families could move to Columbia, Maryland and feel safe and welcome. And then it has grown since then. And I, I would say, you know, it's a larger population of um, black and white couples, but we definitely are the melting pot here. There's quite a bit of diversity, which is so great to have surrounding you. Wow, that's awesome. I want to tell you that um you know, I've only done a couple of interviews. So last night I said, well, let me just look up Oprah, you know, cause Oprah is the, the best one to uh, learn from. So I looked her up and um, she was interviewing Mariah Carey and Mariah's oh. mother. And they were talking about race and Oprah asked Mariah's mother, you know, how did she feel when um, she and her husband, which Mariah's father is black and half black, half Venezuelan. And she said they got married in 1960s and, you know, it was terrible as far as, you know, the neighborhood they lived in, like one neighborhood, they, they were in one neighborhood that wasn't so well. And then they moved to an affluent neighborhood and you remember someone shooting through their window oh my gosh. because of her father, because of her husband. But Oprah asked Mariah's mom, she said, well, what was the conversation like about having children? And Mariah's mom said, yeah, I talked to her dad and he said, it doesn't matter. He said, whatever woman I marry, my children will always be talked about or discriminated against. Mm -hmm. And when mm -hmm. I marry a black woman or Indian woman, whoever, because I'm black or biracial half black, it's always going to be an issue. So I thought yeah. that was, that was uh, a powerful statement. Um, 
But anyway, so y'all never had the conversation about, you know, we're going to have children and this is what their life's going to be like. No, no we, we had the conversation. We're going to have children and we're going to love them and they're going to, they're going to know that they're loved and we're going to keep them safe. We're going to give them everything we can, you know, to the best of our ability. And we're going to make sure that they grow up with um, confidence and support and just a, a family surrounding them. And right. that was part of our commitment, regardless of the race situation. Right, right. Because people are going to come, people are going to say, mm -hmm. and you just got to stand firm on what you believe and, and just right. live your life. Absolutely. Well, I know that you and I conversated last year after the murders of Mr. Floyd and Mr. Aubrey and all the emotions that arose during that time. I know you personally expressed some feelings you had when it came to supporting your husband during that painful time. Could you share what it's like as a spouse who is not black to witness this and how you supported your husband during that time? Sure. And, you know, I guess that the word reflection just keeps coming back to me because until the last couple of years of racial unrest in our country have unfolded, I wasn't really aware that my husband needed more support. He needed a platform, a safe place to talk about his feelings, not to just discuss race and political issues, but to actually uncover his feelings. And, um, you know, we get busy, we have kids, life happens, and we just are, you know, we're both working and whatever. So we, I never really slowed down to tap into how are you until, especially this year or 2020. Mm -hmm. um, and so as the conversation, now we're all home because of COVID, our, our young adult children were living at home at that point, And our dinners were very robust in conversation. And that's when I really started to un understand that this was not a new concern for him. It was just allowed right now. It was, you know, visible and because of all these things. So as a white woman, I personally felt very, very much that I had misstepped by not um, understanding the depth of discrimination and oppression and history that my Black husband um, is part of. And I, I, I know I'm not the only one that feels that way, but I also have met many women in interracial marriages with black men who had did a better job than I did. And I applaud them. So in for my own self, you know, I needed to dig in right away. I realized and start reading and start listening and slow down and talking with him in a different way. And that has definitely changed the dynamic of our relationship for the better over this past year. Wow. That's wonderful. Um, because, you know, like you said, it wasn't just what happened last year. I mean, no. any mm -hmm. day of his life, he's had some type of experience. Um, Correct. You know, whether it's at work, someone made a derogatory comment or felt like, um, you know, he could have got some position, no one else, you know, someone else got it, you know, things like that. So I was just wondering, um, did he ever, you know, come home and talk to you again, not, not just last year, but you know, some things, you know, if the cop pulled them over, it felt like there was, I was just going to say, I can share a story with you. Um, and this is kind of leads to, again, one of my aha moments, but he worked in a, a portion of our county that was um, very affluent, highly white. And um, so he worked in a location and he would just hop in his car and drive to a nearby park. And the parks in Howard County are just phenomenal. And 
there's there's football and baseball and all these things. So he would just park there, eat his lunch, which I packed for him, and just have some you know time away from the building. Yeah. So at one point in time, um, a woman he was in his car, and a woman drove up in a black Volvo. I, I remember him saying she got out to walk her dog real quick, and she looked over and saw him sitting in his car. So she let the dog do his business and she got back in the car very quickly. Like it wasn't a big walk in the park. And then about 10 to 15 minutes later, six policemen came up and drove um, and parked around him. And she asked them and said that there was a black man sitting in the park. And so that, you know, he did what he was supposed to do, 10 and two, hands up, gave him a license and registration. They checked him out. They apologized, sent him on his way. And so he kept going back there because that's what he did. That was his routine for lunch. And a few days later, she came back to walk her dog again, same time. And um, she got out, the dog was business, got back in. And 10 minutes later, six police cars pull up and they're like, oh, Mr. Green, we're so sorry. But where, where that story kind of goes awry is number one, he had to go through that. And number two, he came home and told me and my response was, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Okay. And that was it. And I didn't, I knew he was upset. I could tell he was upset, but I didn't stop and clarify how deep that hurt him. And so there are examples like that throughout our marriage that I, you know, I could share for hours where I was empathetic, but not understanding. Mm -hmm. And this past year, I have learned to not only just feel bad, but to understand how he's feeling. And I think that's been pivotal for us. Yes, yes. I'm just shocked that happened twice, what, twice in the week, in the same week? Yeah, within a week or two. And, and that is um, less than, less than six, six or seven years ago, like pretty recently, again, in a county where we felt safe, right? So, yeah. Wow. What, um, what could you share are some of the ways you have learned to love differently or, or just more being in an interracial marriage? Yeah, I think um, the, the first thing is to not assume that he's okay all the time because he's a strong man. He's, you know, he's been black all his life. So kind of my assumption was he's got this and that he has a point of view that is deep seated in history. There is a huge 400 year history that he is highly aware of. And I don't know if I even knew that, right? Um, now we've both learned more. We've both been digging into history more. So there are things that he's learning, but when he finds something new about the history of the black culture, um, I have learned to stop and listen, mm -hmm. ask questions, and then dig in and do some of my own research so that um, I am showing my interest and I'm gaining understanding. I've also had to listen to him in a deeper way. So rather than, you know, making dinner and kind of just chatting with him when he brings up something that is racially driven, I try really hard to just stop what I'm doing, make eye contact and listen. And I know communication in any marriage is so important, but it's really easy to kind of listen, but not hear, right? Yes. So I think that's, you know, slowing down and opening my heart to what his heart is feeling is, um, is something I've had to intentionally do and I'm getting better at it. I'm not perfect, but I'm getting better at it, you know, as we go on each each day, so. So being intentional about listening to him when he 
you know, expresses some of the things that he's, yeah. he's dealing with. Yeah. And then taking that next step to find out more on my own. Right. So it is not his job to educate me. It is my job to understand. And so, you know, reading books and listening to podcasts and, you know, speaking with other women who are white or non-black in interracial marriages, I'm, I'm really learning how they're better loving their husbands. And so that has helped me as well. And all of that work is in the kind of in the background of just loving him differently. But if I'm not doing that good work, then what I do with him isn't going to be as effective. So it, like I said, it's my responsibility to understand and to dig and to learn so that I can better communicate with him. Right, right. Is there anything that you would like to add about the love lessons or, or any lessons that you've learned about love or faith since you've been in your interracial marriage? Well, I, I would say, um, you know, faith is a huge piece of our lives. It always has been. And one of the things that attracted me to him in the beginning, anyways, um, my, I grew up Catholic. So that's a very, and Kevin grew up Catholic, but then um, became born again Christian and his, his family was fully Christian that way. But so, but, but our foundations are the same, that if we give it to God and we put our marriage in his hands, we're going to be okay. And if we listen to his word and we do what he tells us to do, we're going to be okay. We actually just talked about that last night. Like the Bible gives you step-by-step step what to do. <laughs> so, do, And it's hard. And I know that, but we, we try really hard to stay focused on faith when things are tough. And um, our, our children are, like I said, they're young adults and they are incredibly grounded in faith. And I'm so very proud of them because they make decisions based on the, the, foundation that we've laid for them. So I'm really proud of that. Um, in addition, Kevin's family surrounds us by faith. Um, his sister, so his mom has passed, but his sister posts twice a week in a family group chat, um, the green family prayer. So every Sunday and Thursday, there's a message that comes out that just reminds us that we are a family and that faith is important and that God has us. And then on my side, um, my, like I said, my dad had passed, but my mom has moved closer to us. And so she and I go to church together. And so I'm still holding on to the Catholic faith for her and with her, but also really living the Christian faith. I mean, Christ, Catholic is Christian too, but you know what I mean? Like both. And it's, it's really, um, it's really helped us sustain, I think. And things are not perfect. You know that. I, I mean, we have challenges every day, but right. we, we yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, I think, when you add faith to the equation, it just, it creates a bond that is so much stronger and helps you weather the storms a little bit. Yes, exactly, Joan, exactly. I know that um, you mentioned your brother is not quite on board. Have you had to forgive him or what's that um, communication like and relationship like? Yeah, so um, my, so well, let me start with my sister. My sister is younger than I, but she is a developmentally disabled adult. And um, for the first 20 years of my marriage, um, you know, she was a really big, she still is, but she and Ke Kevin and I really spent the majority of our time helping support her. And then um, in 2012, um, she, she had a brain surgery and it ended up being five brain surgeries. And without going into that, we almost lost her. And so my brother really stepped back into the picture of getting to know Julie again and getting to be a part of her life. And that has been phenomenal because he brings 
so much love and joy to Julie. And she is, she's our angel. She's, she's again, she's a whole nother podcast to talk about, but he and I communicate about Julie. So my brother and I um, definitely rally when things need to be done for Julie. That is our commonality. That is where we both come together. Um, our families, however, do not align and we, we probably never will. Um, but I have given him the book by Bob Goff that I referenced earlier. I sent it to his son for a wedding present because we were not invited to his one and only son's wedding. Uh, I, sent, I sent that to him as a wedding gift, just saying, you know what, you've got to find a way to love everybody and we're your family and we love you. And so I've just forgiven, I forgive all of that. There's, there's no reason to hold on to it. And I'm going to continue to try to be open and let them know that they are loved from our side of the family, um, even if they aren't reciprocating and that's okay because that's what I'm asked to do, right? So I'm doing it. And I, I think it puts them in a little <laughs> uncomfortable position. Sometimes. <laughs> I, I just want them to know they're loved. And I made the choice to marry my husband. He's an amazing man. Right. You know, I can't impose that on them, but I can love them. Mm -hmm. Joan, I love that. That's a beautiful story of love and forgiveness and just representing God, you know? Yeah. I love that. Well, before we go, I mentioned in your bio that you are the founder of Together We Love. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about it. I, um, because of, again, that word reflection, um, I realized that there are women out there that are like me, um, non-Black women married to Black men who maybe didn't navigate their marriages quite the way we should have as we're learning, or maybe they did. Um, but want and want to share that. So what I did is I have pulled together a community of women who um, who are learning together. So we're I'm edu helping them find resources to educate themselves. I'm giving them a safe space to come together to share their stories, to have a couple aha moments. I'm sharing my story, which I think is for me such a blessing to be able to share my story and continue to grow through the things that I feel I could have done better. But mm -hmm. I'm learning, I'm learning to forgive myself in that regard. But this group of women has been incredible. I did a three-day workshop last week with them and really had some great engagement and some aha moments. And I've got a lot of really good feedback on that. So I will be launching a um, more formal workshop called Navigating Two Worlds around how to sit, create space for yourself how to create space for your husband, and how to create space for your extended family, your, your children, your in-laws on both sides, and really coming away with actionable steps that you can take as a non-Black woman married to a Black man to better support your family in whole. And um, then I'm also, I'm also getting ready to release a podcast of the same name, which I'm super excited about too. And that is gonna be a platform for women to share their stories so that we can reach, realize that we have a more common base and foundation than I think we knew. So it's been a, it's been a ride, I have to tell you, but it's been really fun and heartwarming to start this organization. And I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. That is awesome, Joan. Now, did you, <clears throat> was this um, idea, did this come about after what happened last year or had you had this in your mind for, for some time? So it's funny, Jan, I 
it did come about after what happened last year. Um, my job was eliminated due to COVID. And so it you know, gave me a lot of time to really listen to my heart and find out what God is asking me to do. And so I felt like this is it. But what I started out writing a book. And as I was in order to write a book, I felt like I had to talk to these women. And the more I talked to the women, the more I realized we don't have a place to, to share together. So that's kind of how it unfolded. Yeah, I was putting things down to write for my book, which I have not written yet, but I'm working on it. That's another project. Um, I realized that God has placed me throughout my life in, in organizations where I was the only white person or one of two, where I was surrounded by amazing African-American people in, in support of them for the most part. And the more I think about it, the more I know this has been on my heart for years. I just pushed it aside or never heard it until I had time to slow down and reflect. So I think it's been a process or a lifelong thing or, you know, through my marriage, I feel like this has come about why I'm married to Kevin, I feel like is much more where this is coming from, but I didn't know it until recently. So it's pretty awesome how he works, isn't it? <laughs> it is. The dots are starting to connect. They really connect. So Agreed. Awesome. He is so awesome how he, um, you know, starts us on these paths that we don't know why, we don't know where, we don't know, you know, his purpose and plan, but, you know, it starts to be revealed to us. And um, right. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, well, Joan, I thank you so much. I have learned so much and I believe that my audience has learned a lot also. I hope I haven't shocked them too much where they don't <laughs> click on the episode, but I, I love what you're doing. I love, um, together, we love what you're doing in, in that space. And um, I just um, ask that God will just continue to give you wisdom and direction and um, give you peace over everything that you do and recognize so that you could recognize your purpose that he has already already started and began in you. Yeah. And you know what? He always finishes what he starts. So I have no doubt that, that, you know, he's going to continue me down the right path. And I appreciate you taking the time to share together. We love and me with your audience. Um, my website will be up and running this week. So I'm excited about that. I would love for people to jump into my podcast if they have time. But in the meantime, Jan, I, I am so um, feeling so blessed and grateful to have you in my life. And I really appreciate you taking the time to share um, my story with, with your listeners. Oh, you're so welcome, Joan. You're so welcome. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Did you guys hear that? What appeared to be an unexpected and unforeseen relationship developed and 28 and a half years later, Joan has created a space to facilitate communication, support, education, and just loving better and greater beyond color. For more information, check out her website, togetherwelovejoangreen.com. And if you are a non-black woman, married to a black man, or just want to know more to support your family or friends that you know are in those types of relationships, check out Joan's podcast, Navigating Two Worlds. As always, it's been a pleasure to meet with you here on the other side of I Do podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Leave a podcast review 
if you have found any episode to be beneficial to you. And see you again next time. Bye-bye.